I can hardly believe it. I have to keep pinching myself, but it's true. On the Ledge podcast is four years old. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Jane Perone, and I've been chatting about plants on this here podcast since the 28th of February, 2017. In this episode, I'll be looking back to see how far we've come. We'll find out an updated top 10 most popular episodes. We'll hear from Jackie in Meet the Listener. And if you hang on till right at the end, as requested by a few of you, you'll be able to hear my blooper reel. Embarrassing. Thanks to Lynn Cat and Abigail Florence, both in the US, who left delightful reviews for On The Ledge in Apple Podcasts. And welcome to my new patrons this week. Alice H became a super fan and Camilla, Bobby, Taylor, Emma and Randolph all became legends. Thanks also to David, who made a one-off payment via code-fi.com and all the deets for how to go about supporting the show financially and in other ways can be found in my show notes, which are at janeperone.com. Many of you have been in touch to say that you thought that sound effect that I just played was the sound of me pouring myself a cup of tea. Well, it's an interesting one. I know I probably go on about tea just as much as any other English person, but I can confirm that sound effect is actually me pouring water from uh, one of my very special copper watering can into, I think it was into another kind of vessel of some kind, done as a sound effect to try to indicate some element of watering plants. I'm not quite sure what was going through my head. Um, When I get a chance, I've just had a cup of tea. I should have done it then, but I will record the sound of myself pouring a cup of tea so you can compare and contrast. But thank you to all of you who've been in touch to comment on that sound effect. Now, do you remember this? Hypoestes sanguinolenta, Dracaena marginata, Asplenium nidus, Nephrolepis exultata, No, this isn't an early draft of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, but a selection of Latin names for houseplants. There are many indoor plants with Latin names that are intriguing, beguiling, sexy even. But to me, the most dramatic and mind-boggling of all is... Monstera Deliciosa. Eh, yeah, actually, I think you'll find it's pronounced Monstera Deliciosa. Oh, well, I was cringing a little bit as I listened back to that second episode of On The Ledge, which came out in March 2017. I hope I've improved my sound quality a little bit since then. But on the other hand, maybe it's not so bad because this remains one of the most popular episodes ever of On The Ledge. In episode 100, I gave a top 10 of the most popular episodes So I thought it might be a nice idea to kick off this episode with an update. Here we go. The countdown begins at 10. 
back in June 2019 in the 100th episode. Episode 78 on houseplant hoarding was at number 10, but that's dropped right out of the top 10 and been replaced by episode 144, Underrated Houseplants. Now, as I remember, that episode was one that was a bit of a last minute substitution when another interview fell through. So it just shows you, you never know what's inspired last minute ideas are going to work. At nine, it's episode 119, How to Give Your Houseplants a Health Check. Again, I think that was another episode that I did pretty much off the cuff. So (laughs) are you getting a vibe about how I run on the ledge here? Uh, Yes, fly by night is the word. And then at number eight, it's episode 98 on the science of plant propagation with the wonderful American horticulturist Leslie Halleck. So there you go. People want to know about plant science. Who knew? In at number seven is episode 109, Peperomias Part 1. Ah, yes, that was when I visited the wonderful Sally Williams and her national collection of Peperomias in the Peak District. So that just shows how popular those plants are. And part two is not in the top 10, but it does include that all important information about hummus pot propagation, which is such a key method of propagation for me now. So I and many of you have a lot to thank Sally Williams for. And at number six, it's five houseplants for beginners. Not surprising. That was a really popular episode going into the delights of Judy Feldstein's picks for easy plants for newbies. And then episode 82 comes in at number five, Growing Hoyas, a.k.a. the wax plant. That's when I interviewed Doug Chamberlain, Hoyer grower extraordinaire of Vermont Hoyas. Still a really popular episode. I think since that episode, I've probably quadrupled my own Hoyer collection. And hot news, if you're into Hoyers, there's another Hoyer heavy episode on its way. Next week, I will be speaking to Ellen Zakos, who is another Hoyer fan. And she's got a huge Hoyer tattoo as well. Now, episode 82 was at number one in the chart from the 100th episode. So it's dropped back, but still showing how popular Hoyas are. And at number four, it's episode 99, Houseplants for Low Light. Yes, we all want to know what plants to put in those dark corners. And that was where I spoke to Lisa Eldred Steinkoff, the houseplant guru, about plants that will cope with a lack of natural light. Then at number three, it's the very first episode of On the Ledge. Episode one on terrariums when I was a wee baby podcaster with my training wheels very much still in place. I haven't done much on terrariums since then. I really should put that right. But it's great to hear that people are still listening to that very first episode. In at number two, it's 10 Commandments for Houseplant Care. This was a really great episode. I interviewed Judy Feldstein of houseplant411.com and she offered up her top 10 tips for houseplants. And this episode obviously touched a nerve for many of you. And then the suspense is killing you, I'm sure. Well, it probably isn't because I've kind of told you. But anyway, at number one, the most popular episode ever of On the Ledge, it's episode two, Monstra Deliciosa, the Swiss cheese plant. So there you go. That is the top 10. It's interesting comparing with June 2019. 
because the only episode that is in both of those charts from June 2019 and today is the Growing Hoyas episode. Isn't that interesting? If you want to have a look at the chart and listen to all of those episodes, do check out the show notes for this episode and you can click through to the relevant shows. And now it's time to meet this week's listener. from Woodstock, New York, in the United States. My dad is an avid gardener, and growing up, I always enjoyed his collection of white and yellow roses and buttercups. My first plant was a philodendron Brazil, and with the permission of my cat, April, I began my ascent into a crazy plant person after saving a Dracaena from a life of doom and gloom. You've been selected to travel to Mars as part of the first human colony on the Red Planet. There's only room for one houseplant from your collection on board. Which plant do you choose? My Phyphotracina Norman, though I'm not sure he'd come with at the moment because he's upset with me for reasons I won't mention here. Norman is the orphan I spoke of before, and up until now, he's been the least demanding of all my plants. And I always assume this is because he was neglected as a child. Anyway, I love him because he's beautiful, but not in an extravagant way. He enjoys the quiet life, rarely asks any questions, and basically takes care of himself except for the occasional watering. Question two. What is your favorite episode of On the Ledge? It was a close call with the bonus festive episode where Jane reads A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, but I just have to go with episode 124, Plant Health, Herbs, and Sustainability with Maya Thomas. The episode touched upon so many issues I'm passionate about, including the intersectionality between rare plants, economics, education and healthy eating, as well as climate change, the digital revolution and burnout, and how our theories on these subjects are often reduced to negative thinking instead of critical thinking. I also enjoyed witnessing the obvious and special connection that Jane and Maya share. Question three, which Latin name do you say to impress people? I love to say Oxalis triangularis. I guess because it rhymes, but also because most people think I've made it up and I've decided that I don't always have to tell the truth. Question four, crassulation, acid metabolism, or gut ocean? I did eventually force myself to listen to episode 148 with Polly Shipman. And to be honest, my eyes started slowly crossing after a few minutes. But I got the gist of it and would say gutation since I don't own many airlines. Question five. Would you rather spend £200 on a variegated monstera or £200 on 20 interesting cacti? Normally I'd say neither since I don't get a ton of sun that cacti require. And maybe unlike most, I'm not a huge fan of variegated plants. But since I'm being forced to choose, I'd go with the variegated monstera. And if it behaves, I'd likely grow to love it. Thank you, Jackie. I love the fact that you asked the permission of your cat before expanding your houseplant collection. One of the wonderful things about making On The Ledge is the way that I have grown as my audience has grown. And that's thanks to all of you. And this is where I will try not to get emotional. But wow, you chaps are amazing. Whenever I'm struggling and feeling a little bit overwhelmed, as I sometimes do, I get an email like this come in. It comes from Cassandra. And this is what Cassandra wrote. I just found your podcast yesterday and I'm already binging all the episodes. It's been a fantastic listen while I drive for work. And although I know next to nothing about Latin names, I still find it fascinating. I mailed, though, because I just heard your episode where you talked about your book and your past and it brought me to tears. Years ago, I fought a quiet, nasty battle with drug addiction. 
Your story hit home. It was the middle of the worst of it that I met a man who had two beautiful apple trees that he grew from seed. And as I helped him harvest that fall, I remembered my past love of trees. As I recovered, I planted every seed I could find. My yard was littered with little pots of avocado, mangoes, apples and pears. My neighbours were flooded with them. And through learning to care for them, I learned to love myself and refined purpose in dark times. I guess what I'm getting at is I love your show and I'm so happy to hear about others finding their lives filled with happiness over plants. It reminds me of what I've overcome and helps keep things bright. Keep up the great work and good vibes towards your book venture. Oh, Cassandra, that's really gorgeous to hear. And this is the kind of message, as I say, that blows me away on a regular basis. I'd say I get one of these messages about once a week and it really does lift my spirits, particularly over the past year, which has been intensely hard for all of us, hasn't it? Personally, I found myself pushed to the limit, trying to keep everything going, trying to keep my children in a good place mentally and physically, making a weekly podcast, taking care of all my houseplants. At times, it has felt like I've got a mountain to climb, but you've always been there and you've always been wonderful. And that is why I keep making this podcast, because it's just so uplifting to hear from you and to hear the amazing stories of how plants have brought happiness into your life. So go you. I know I often say at the end of the podcast, you're amazing, but I really do mean it. You, yes, you listening right now in your car, in your garden, with your house plants struggling to get a baby to go to sleep, whoever you are, thank you so much because you really make it all worthwhile. This week's show is supported by Harvest, the smart mini greenhouse that lets you grow all year round. If you don't have time to constantly check your plants, Harvest helps you grow more. Unlike regular glass houses or cold frames, Harvest's app-enabled mini greenhouse is auto-watering and auto-ventilating and can heat and light your plants and seedlings too. Harvest's year-round controlled growing environment takes care of time-consuming and easy-to-forget tasks and allows you to monitor progress via the Harvest app. Harvest mini greenhouses start at £640. Find out more at harvest.co.uk. That's H-A-R-V-S-T Harvest helps you grow more. And now it's time for question of the week. And I thought we would revisit a legendary on the ledge question and try to find out what's happened since. Do you remember in episode 80 when we heard from Amy about her hissing peace lily? Amy tweeted me to ask, do you have any prayer plants? And my answer was, no, I don't. It's not one of my favourite of house plants. I find them a little bit deaverish in their tendency to wilt when they get thirsty. But Amy then continued with this intriguing tweet. Really, how come? I have one in my living room and for months I have been hearing a random hissing for it. I have a small one upstairs now and same thing. Did you ever experience that? I think this is probably the question that most often keeps me awake at night when I'm lying there at two in the morning. 
I just really want to know what was causing the hissing. At the time, lots of listeners on the houseplant fans of On The Ledge Facebook group came up with suggestions, including uh, a snake being there. Uh, the, The questioner, Amy, did confirm that there definitely wasn't a snake. Somebody else suggested a gas leak, hearing aid on the blink, but we never really got to the bottom of it. So I tweeted back to Amy this week to see if she had found an answer. And Amy replied, Hi Jane, I've never got to the bottom of what it is, but it is still happening on a daily basis. I've researched lots, but can't find an answer, but it still hisses away every now and again throughout the day. Well, in excellent timing, I got a Twitter DM from somebody called DP, who happened to have been listening to that very episode. Now, DP is a microbiologist, so knows a thing or two about processes that might be happening (laughs) that cause hissing. And DP wrote, I don't know if the mystery was ever solved, but I have another theory to offer. Oh, yay. I love a theory. DP goes on. Many bacterial species produce copious amounts of gas, which can build up quite a lot of pressure if it doesn't have anywhere to escape to. I wonder if her plant didn't have some kind of abscess, which occasionally built up enough pressure to spring a small leak like a balloon and release the gas with a hiss. If it were large enough in proportion to the stem, it could also cause it to move or shake like the question asker described. Regardless of the reason or outcome, I got a good horrified facial expression and then a good laugh out of that episode. Thanks. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, uh, DP also wrote a subsequent message saying, I'm a microbiologist, so I may be hearing hoofbeats and thinking zebras. I love that. I've never heard of that phrase before, but I'm going to be using that. But a closed off canker or gall seems like a nice place for clostridium or another gas producing anaerobe to hang out. Of course, I'd rather there were a tiny snake hiding in a plant shouting at her. Well, wouldn't we all? As somebody who has acquired a tiny snake in the form of Clementine the milk snake, my daughter's snake in the past year, uh, I can confirm that I've never heard her hiss. Maybe she's too small, but she is completely silent. So I don't know. It's, It's an interesting one. Now, I did find a message on the UBC Botanical Garden Forum about another noisy piece, Lily. This member said that their plants been making popping noises after the plant had been put outside for a bit of rain. And her husband described it as like the sound from the cereal Kellogg's Rice Krispies. Interesting. And somebody suggested that the sound may be the excess water draining out of the soil. And this was something that had happened to them when they flooded a couple of plants as they took the sources away. An audible popping noise as the water drained away. But the OP then came back and said, I had another thought as well. Could the sound come as the leaves open up from the tightly wrapped leaves as they begin to open? When the sounds were happening, we saw several new leaves that were just opening. Aha, interesting. And you know what? I think this is the most likely cause. Something to do with a new leaf popping out. But the jury's still out. There's also DP's theory and the water draining theory, we still need an answer to this question. So if you know of a noisy peace lily, get your phone up there, get the voice memo app on and record it so we can hear it. And let's try to work out exactly what's going on. I think between us on the Ledger listeners, we can crack this one. 
And while we're talking about strange peace lily phenomena, one other little thing for you to think about. I had an email from Katerina about her peace lily, which has developed a split leaf with reduplicated tips. I'll put a picture in the show notes, but I'll try to describe it for you. One of the leaves is split um, about halfway down the midrib, the centre vein of the plant. It splits in two and the outline of the leaf take goes in two completely different directions to kind of make a V sign. I have never seen this before. I had a suggestion that it might be something called fasciation, which is has a range of causes, but causes plant material to be distorted. But I'd love to know if anyone else has experienced anything similar with their spathophyllum. If you have, do drop me a line. And the other question I wanted to look at in this episode also refers back to my number one most popular show, episode two on Monstra Deliciosa. And listening back to that show, what's really fascinating is how the range of Monstra species has exploded in the marketplace in the last few years and now we can get so many different plants from this genus. And this is where Natalie's question comes in. Natalie writes, I would love to know the origins of the Monstra. I have the Monstra Deliciosa and the Mini Monstra. As far as I've seen, they originate from the, the Americas, but I'd very much like to know where specifically they are indigenous to and where they were taken from. So uh, what I would say, first of all, little book plug coming here is if you want to go really in depth on this one, do check out Legends of the Leaf, my book, which I'm crowdfunding at the moment because I'm going to dedicate a whole chapter to the origins of Monstra Deliciosa. It's going to go in depth. We're going to find out loads. It's going to be awesome. So if you want to support that book, which is really going to be a distillation of all the wisdom of On the Ledge into a beautiful book with bespoke illustrations, then do check out my website, janeperone.com, where you can find out how to pledge because the book won't happen until enough people decide to support me. Plug over, Natalie's question. So the genus Monstra, there's about 45 species in that genus, and they're part of the Aratiae, the Aroids, which we all know and love and hail from the warm tropical parts of Central and South America. Deliciosa in particular, well, that one comes from around Mexico. I think a lot of people assume that it's a Brazilian plant, but no, it comes from Mexico, although it has become naturalised in many other tropical parts of the world. So you'll see it growing wild in places where it doesn't originate from. And one of the distinguishing features of many plants in this genus is those holy leaves. And we haven't really quite worked out the reasons for them, but boy, do they make those leaves iconic. Denny Brown notes in her classic work on aroids called Aroid Plants of the Air and Family that actually this plant is not that common in the wild. She says it was first collected in Mexico in 1832 and sent to Munich and received no acclaim. But as we all know, that did change. And as more plant collectors descended on Central America and brought back cuttings to Europe, the craze began. Now, the mini monstra that you refer to, Natalie, well, that's the common name for a plant that is actually part of the Raphidophora genus or Raphidophora, depending on which is your preference of pronunciation. Like the monstra genus, they're part of the tribe Monsteri, 
which also includes uh, Epipremnum, the plants that we know and love as well. And within that Raphidophora genus, there's about 100 species, but it doesn't come from the same part of the world as Monstera deliciosa. In fact, it comes from quite a long way away uh, over in Southeast Asia, places like Thailand and Malaysia. I mean, which is a wonder in itself that plants have evolved on different parts of the world with quite similar characteristics, but belonging to different genera. And Raphidophora tetrasperma has also been called all kinds of things like Philodendron ginny and Philodendron piccolo. Uh, None of these names uh, really bear much relation to its taxonomic description. Over the years of On the Ledge, we've covered a few different questions about Raphidophora tetrasperma. The most memorable ones was the question about the leaves taking on a strange apparent variegation where they develop dark patches on the underside. In the end, this was confirmed as a form of guttation and I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes and we also covered some actual variegation in Arafidophora tetrasperma and went into a bit of information about the different ways that plants can suddenly sport these genetic mutations. So it's a fascinating plant. I'm going to try to put together a blog post about Raphidophora tetrasperma because I think it's such a wonderful plant. Absolutely bomb-proof in my experience and a great plant to have if you don't quite have the room for the Monstera deliciosa, its Central American relation. Interestingly, Raphidophora tetrasperma doesn't get a mention in Denny Brown's classic book, Aroids, which I've already mentioned. I do know she's working on a third edition, which I'm very much looking forward to. But she does note that Raphidophora is chewed to blacken the teeth in the Philippines. Please don't try that at home. (laughs) But it's fascinating to know that the plant has been used in that way. But it's not actually the tetrasperma species that's being used for this purpose, to be fair. It's two species, Raphidophora corthalsii and Marillii. So again, I repeat, please don't chew your tetrasperma because it's not going to be fun. So there's a little update on a couple of episodes. Looking ahead now, some people have said to me, oh, how are you finding enough topics to cover? Well, you know what? I've got so many ideas. I've got ideas bursting out of my head for episodes that it's actually hard to keep track. But I wanted to give you a heads up about a couple of episodes I've got coming up which need your input. The first one is going to be an episode about biological controls, ways of dealing with pests that involve other creatures. So I'm thinking of things like nematodes, mites and more. If you have got a burning question about biological controls for houseplants, do drop me a line to ontheledgepodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to have not one, but two experts to help me answer those questions. Second, one of the most common queries that I get as a houseplant person concerns rescuing orchids. So I'm calling on Terry Richardson, aka The Black Thumb, to come on an episode and help answer all of your queries about that sad orchid you rescued from the supermarket aisle. Can it be saved? You can find out in that episode. So again, drop me an email with pictures and questions and we will do our best to answer. That just about rounds up this week's show. It's wonderful to have you here. Please keep on listening because I'm not going anywhere soon. 
And now just for those of you who want to hang around, I'm going to play you my blooper reel. I think this really sums up some of the challenges of making a weekly plant podcast during a pandemic. Um, I hope it gives you a laugh. It also tells you about some of my other interests, including RuPaul's Drag Race. And you get to hear from my long suffering daughter as well. Enjoy. Oh, Jesus Christ on a bike. Here we go. On the ledge pod. Hello and welcome to On the Ledge podcast with your host Jane Perone. So fun. Hello and welcome to an extra leaf number sixty-three. Thank you for joining me, and I'm going to be bringing you more chat with my guest of the episode 169 from last Friday, Dr. Jared Margulis. <laughs> Margulis. No, that's not his name. <laughs> Dr. Jared Margolis. Hello and welcome to On The Ledge podcast. I'm Jane Perone and this is a show about... I don't know, plants. I think it's about plants. Last time I looked, it was about plants. I hope it's still about plants. I'm losing my mind here. The On The Ledge Sew Along rolls along this week with... The On The Ledge Sew Along continues this week with... Wolfie, would you stop making your collar jingle, please, dog? Please, darling. I ask you kindly. Thank you. Can you hear that? Yep. Every time I try to record any audio. Every time. As soon as I start talking, it'll start up again. There you go. (laughs) Help me, somebody. Oh, blimey. Didn't realise what time it was. Time for RuPaul. So, over to you. I'd love to know how you... So, can you stop tapping, lovely? Because every time... I know it's a tiny sound, but every time you tap, can you either go out and do it in the other room, or can you... Can you not tap? Because every time you tap, it's a little noise that is on my recording, darling. Sorry. (laughs) I know it's tedious, but there we go. Bye, love. You can put that on your um, behind the scenes. My blooper reel. Yes. It's on the blooper <laughs> reel, girl. Anyway. Bye. Bye now. I'm gonna go tap at my keyboard
music you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll by the Joy Drops, Chiefs by Jazar, and Whistle by Benjamin Banger. The ad music was Dill Pickles by the Heftone Banjo Orchestra. All tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. Visit janeperone.com for details. <laughs>